Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome back to Mental Health Casual. I am your host, Lucky, and today we're going over to the depression subreddit. But before we get into that, if any of you guys are new here, this is basically what I do. I just go to any uh, subreddit that has anything to do with uh, mental illness of some sort or anything like that, mental health, uh, but uh, and try to give some advice, you know, try and learn something new. But I'm by no means an expert or professional, so feel free to take my advice with a grain of salt or apply it to your life however you see fit. So, um, you know, I was working on uh, one of the videos, uh, a video that should be coming out on Sunday, I believe. Um, but uh, you know, it got it got hit with kind of because uh, you know we were we were talking about uh, or for people that don't. Uh, you know, maybe you're new here or, you know, just haven't been following the podcast or don't follow the podcast consistently. Um, I've been doing a lot of stuff on like addiction and stuff. And it's really, um, it, it's really, and, you know, I, I just heard about, uh, although this happened about a month ago, the, the podcast came out February 3rd. So two days ago or something like that, maybe, maybe even earlier than that. Um, and I heard that uh, Bobby Lee, really famous comedian, um, relapsed. Uh, so that would have been back in January and, uh, you know, I'm doing a video about that right now, but, you know, hearing about, you know, people relapsing, I mean, relapse rates are very high. I just want to make that really clear. I was just hearing Steve-O talk about it with, uh, another, another old member of Jackass, I think, or Viva La Bam. I can't remember off the top of my head. They kind of intermingle, but, um, you know, when I, you know, it, it's, it's a really high number of relapse rates, to be honest with you. Um, and it really does suck. And it is, it's one of those things that I always say it's like a commitment every single day, you know, obviously, you know, maybe more of a metaphorical commitment to a certain degree, but it's a commitment that you make every single day to yourself to make sure to, um, to not drink. And that can be tough for a lot of people. That can be, that's tough for me. Um, especially when you see the culture and you, uh, by the way, not blaming the culture or anything. I'm just trying to say, uh, it's our culture and around the world, right? Alcohol is a very big fixture in, in all, in all cultures, it seems like, or some form of it. Uh, and it's hard to get away from it. And it's, and, you know, typically it's used in celebrations, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, the minute you don't, you don't want to have alcohol, it becomes a big, a little bit like, what, you don't want any alcohol. That's crazy. You know, it, it, they kind of look at you very strangely or anything like that, but, um, yeah, I've been, I've enjoyed being two years sober, and it definitely helps me to connect with people on here. Obviously, I would not be able to do a channel like this if I was drinking um, a lot, you know, that kind of stuff. So I wish Bobby Lee the best. That video should be out tomorrow. Uh, so uh, we're going to be celebrating my mom's birthday tomorrow. So hopefully, I can get it out tomorrow. Um, but anyway, guys, why don't we go into the first um, the first post right here? A little bit of a sad one here. Uh, four years since my mom committed suicide on the 4th of February, 2018, my mom committed, uh, my diet, excuse me, my mom died unexpectedly. She died on the dining room floor while I was sitting a few meters away in the living room. I discovered her body. I was 15. It wasn't until a few months ago that I discovered it was a suicide. I feel like a horrible daughter because I forgot. The only reason why I remembered is because my dad marked the date on the calendar. A lot has changed in, in the past four years. I was so naive back then. I missed all the signs, the red flags. I had no idea what was about to happen. On that Sunday morning, I haven't done anything in her memory. I never do. I don't like thinking back to when my mom was alive. It's weird because I can think back to the day she died without getting too upset. But I can't think about my mom in general, how poorly she was or um, or the trauma she went through. I hate thinking about those things. It's too painful. She suffered so much. 
No one ever understood how she truly felt. No one ever took her seriously enough. She didn't deserve it. Sometimes I wonder if she ever felt genuine happiness. Not everyone has a happy ending. My mom didn't. Who Who's to say I will? Yeah, and so this is why I always try and relate to pe- or relate to people or tell people um, you you aren't the only one affected by your suicide. If you try and commit suicide, you are not the only one that is that is affected by it. You know, and it's tough because all of a sudden, you know, even even when I hear about, you know, I know that um, we were just talking about. I, I believe her name is Kelsey, but uh, I could be completely wrong. Cursed or something like that. She was the um, former U.S. Miss USA. That's was an employee of extra that committed suicide um even and even if you're not famous right you still get added to these statistics that affects that affect us to this day um seeing those statistics is not a great is not great for me you know i i hate i hate kind of hearing about how many people kill themselves every year uh especially during the pandemic uh and you know for for me at least i've always um you know, I, I, I've always empathized with those people because I, I know what it's like to look into the abyss and not be able to to find your way back, right? Um, and to be lost in it, almost to see it as if it's reality. You know, if, if you, uh, metaphorically speaking, you know, if you want to think about it, if you're looking down at the at, at an abyss or you're looking down at a well, let's say, let's use the metaphor a little bit more uh appropriately if you're looking down at a well that's all dark you know it's covered by the the roof thing um but you're only looking down the well you never notice the sun that's above you right and it's a lot like that you just never notice that sun that that hope that's around you and it's hard to look you really need to look i mean it's not like you know the sun i I guess the metaphor kind of falls apart because uh it's really hard to find hope sometimes um it's not as easy as looking up and seeing the sun sometimes you have to find it in little cracks um and that 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 can be uh tough to do but uh committing suicide is just not the answer it is it it tends to have a domino effect of sorts right we have a daughter here who is uh by the way i'm not trying to attack her mom i'm just trying to say the act of committing suicide i'm I'm more i'm more uh challenging the 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 red or challenging the logic of course there's not really too much logic there but um I'm challenging the logic behind people who try who who think that that is a uh, log that's the logical thing, right? Like, oh, I'm useless, therefore I should kill myself, or I don't have a place in this world, therefore I should kill myself. There's not proper logic in there, and you have to be careful about falling down that rabbit hole because eventually, you know, enough negative self doubt, uh, and you're gonna want to want to follow through with it. and then, you know, who knows what it's going to, what kind of message that's going to send the next generation, right? Um, I don't know. Uh, I haven't really looked at this, but, you know, like Chester Bennington t- took his own life, the lead singer at Lincoln Park. And I'm wondering how his, I think he has six kids. I wonder how his six kids are doing now, you know? I uh, really do hope they're doing well. But yeah, it's, it's, it's rough to see. Uh, it's rough to hear about. So um, yeah, you know, mental illness, I believe, is just as, uh, contagious, especially depression and anxiety, uh, as as a lot of other illnesses, as lo- as well as like physical illnesses. So um, let me let's go to uh, one more. Best of luck with you. Uh, that's that's a really rough one right there. Um, I ruined my life and I'm 23 years old. Wasted six years of my life playing video games, smoking weed to numb the pain of a breakup. I wish I hadn't done that. If you are ever going through something, please seek help and have compassion for yourself because of it. 
I have no money, terrible anxiety and depression, whilst my high school peers have finished college and are making good money. Wish everyone here great health and success. Yeah, and this is where the the ter- or the idea of not trying to compare yourself too much with other people comes into play because uh, when you're comparing yourself with other people, it's almost as if you've set a benchmark for yourself. And the problem with that benchmark is, you know, maybe they didn't go through a breakup. Maybe they went through different circumstances, right? Obviously, they probably went through their own struggles, but you were going through something and the way you reacted may not have been the best, but it was probably, uh, you know, you probably had some form of depression in your life or maybe you had more access, you know, easy access to marijuana at that point. Um, And, you know, it's hard because once you compare yourself to somebody, you're only comparing the results. You're not comparing the journey. And that's important to that's important to think about. Right. We only compare results. We do not compare the journey. And, you know, your journey is going to look a lot different than somebody else that maybe went through a different um, went through different uh, struggles than you. Right. Obviously, like I said, their struggles are very valid and all that kind of stuff. But uh, it's going to look different. And I'm not saying that that justifies where you are today, but at the same time, you're 23 years old. There is a lot of time for you to turn this around, um, especially at 23. Usually once you're like 30 or something like that, or 35, especially as a man, um, it's, it's, you tend to kind of get looked at as a loser at that point. Not now, this is not me saying that you can't turn things around or it's too late or anything. It's just, you have a lot more obstacles because society kind of views you as, you know, you, you haven't gotten your stuff together yet, you know, that kind of stuff. So you got to be kind of careful. But I, I've seen people where, you know, they have their whole life just destroyed and, you know, and then all of a sudden they're 30 they're something and all of a sudden, you know, they end up, whether it be like from having children or something like that or just anything, they end up uh, finding peace or they, they end up uh, somehow making it. And that's why I say it's never too late. You know, some people get their act together even later than that. Now that... That is a little bit tougher, but at 23, I know you can do it. Um, six years is a long time, but believe me, that's that's around the same amount of time I was uh, I was drinking. Right? Is that right? 21, almost, almost. I want to say maybe about 25 or 26 is when I when I stopped drinking. So about five years, something like that, and. You know, uh, I get it, man. Smoking weed and playing video games, there it goes hands and it goes hand in hand. I get it, dude. I get it. Um, but you know, there, there's still plenty of time for you. Uh, and don't don't compare yourself to the to the the uh, where your classmates are now. You know, we all start. You know, sometimes we we end up having different uh, starting points too. You know, you end up. Uh, you end up stuck somewhere and then all of a sudden, you know, and it's hard to re restart a race, right? Like, let's say you were going to go for a marathon and you were going to like, let's say you go for 20. Okay. Let's just say something realistic, right? Let's say you have to go for like seven miles and then all of a sudden, you know, about a mile three or something like that. You're like, okay, I'm going to go take a break. Then all of a sudden you end up spending, let's just say a week smoking weed and playing video games. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I got to get the next four miles in or whatever. I, I think I said seven miles, six miles, seven miles. So I, I need to get another three or four miles in. Oh my God. Well, I mean, playing video games and smoking weed is pretty good. It's hard to get back on it. Whereas if you finish the the race, it's a lot easier on you and it's easier to keep that momentum. And momentum is a really big part of, uh, of anybody's mental health journey because once you lose momentum, it's a little hard or it can be really hard. 
excuse me, to get back on the wagon, so to speak. So that's why, uh, that's why whenever we talk about relapse, it, it, it can be really difficult to go through because, you know, all of a sudden you're dealing with, um, the guilt you're dealing with, which is what this person is going through. It's not a relapse exactly, but, um, they're going through the guilt after everything. They, they realize that they've wasted a lot of time over, you know, maybe, maybe they think it's a stupid, a, a stupid, um, reason like a girl. Um, personally, I don't think it's a stupid reason. It's a, it's a very, um, valid reason. Now, not to ruin your life for six years, but it is a valid reason to be upset. Um, and yeah, you know, you, you have to go through a lot of obstacles at that point, And the obstacles just kind of grow as uh, time goes on. But the biggest obstacle is the first step. So once you can get past that obstacle, a lot of the other obstacles are not as where it probably aren't as big as you think. So uh, best of luck with your recovery on whatever you decide to do. Really hope you're able to get some help. And as I've said before on this podcast, um, there are a lot of AA groups that are uh, geared towards marijuana um so if you got if you i believe like i said mostly i saw this in the bay area i have just not looked at uh you know any around here in texas or anything like that but i'm sure there are around you know around but probably mostly where marijuana is prevalent so the bay area would be a good place for that anyway let's go over to the next post how to answer what have you been up to how are you doing what's new with you do you resent being asked that question resent the person no. And, you know, whenever somebody asks me these types of things and I don't know exactly what to say, I will you or uh, let's say, you know, oh, what have you been up to? I mean, I have a valid reason now, which is like I'm doing podcasting, and all that stuff. But um, no, I've never felt uh, resentment towards a question, so to speak. Um, yeah, I've never really felt that kind of resentment, but I can understand how some people would in the sense that, you know, they're there's some people out there who maybe aren't doing so well right now. So all of a sudden they, people are asking, how are you doing? Well, most likely the response that they're expecting is I've been doing good. And how are you? I'm doing okay. How's, how's it going with you? You know, that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I, with somebody that's severely depressed, this can seem almost like a, like you're poking the bear, like, Oh my God, uh, how am I doing? How am I doing? You know? Uh, I've definitely see I've definitely met people that were like this when all of a sudden you ask them how they're doing and they'll just straight straight up tell you I'm doing terrible and just go into their day right uh, nothing wrong with that it's just it can put some people off um, but yeah in terms of uh, uh, in terms of answering it that's up to you that is that's really up to you and it also depends on the context of the situation if it's your boss asking how you're doing. You might not want to divulge too much stuff. You may want to divulge some stuff. And depending on how severe it is, you may want to divulge everything. Um, you know, um, but in terms of, you know, it, it's just a simple like grading. And I think that's what we have to kind of look at these things as like you can't look at them exactly for the words that are present. A lot of this is just small talk, right? And it's, it's something that I have to, I had to engage in when I first started, uh, dealing with uh, social anxiety and stuff when I first started like kind of tackling it a, a little bit more I really had to look at my I really had to like figure out okay what what is like an I call them reaction phrase or not reaction phrases what it was uh, I had, a, I had a, uh, a word for it let's just call it like subconscious phrases phrases right now so a phrase that I could say without thinking too hard so if I wanted to let's say my mission was to start a conversation 
one of these would have been very, very, uh, would have been great to do, to use. So, um, you know, the problem is you don't know what that person's thinking when they're asking you this and you really have to take context into consideration. Maybe they're just trying to make small talk. They, they just don't, and they don't know what's going on with you. Right. That's not their fault for any of that stuff. And that's something that people with social anxiety, and I find this sometimes with people with autism, uh, that are more high functioning on the, on the, on the autism spectrum, but still have some problems with the, the cues and stuff is they they tend to take everything so seriously and for the people with social anxiety their social skills aren't uh good enough so they take everything really really literally and it becomes a problem because they they think that they're um you know because they don't know exactly how to answer it um maybe that person is of a higher stature so they're like i mean what have i what you know what have i been up to i've i've been working at mcdonald's all day and this guy is like a multi-millionaire all that kind of stuff um and it's, I think it's just important to remember that we're all equal in life. Now, our resources are not all equal, but I, I believe, you know, kind of bringing a religious perspective in this, I believe that we're all equal in the eyes of God. Um, but I also believe that we're all equal in the sense that we all deserve equal dignity. Um, now, whether or not we get equal respect is another thing. That's something that people will either give to you or not give to you. And they're, they're, that's their freedom to do. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of this, try not to take these things too seriously when somebody's trying to um, ask you that. And realize that this is probably good. If this is what triggers you, this is something to deal with. Uh, if this is a trigger for you, triggers are not things to be avoided. This is not something that you should be telling everybody, oh, don't ask me this. It triggers me. You should be saying, hey, you should be talking to a therapist of some sort, getting yourself into more, um, you know, in uh god what, what is the word for it uh you know exposing yourself i just said exposure therapy i don't know why i couldn't think of that word Ex you should be think about exposing yourself to the to whatever is triggering you little by little so that you can eventually um get to it like i, I one of my big uh, trigger words was uh disappointment because it reminded me of how my father felt of me and so but how many times are you going to hear disappointment in your life directed at you probably a lot and it still doesn't feel great to feel that you're, you know, but then again, who feels great when somebody says they're disappointed in them, uh, unless they're some type of sociopath, right? Um, so at least for me, uh, triggers are not things to be run away from. They're not, and they're not something that you should, you know, it's not something you should tell somebody that like, hey, listen, this triggers me. Don't talk about this. Unless it's something that really does, you know, unless it's a really close friend or anything like that. But it's hard to tell all strangers, hey, never, never say this, never say that. Um, and it's more on you to get over your trigger or to get over whatever obstacle um, uh, you're you're facing right now. So uh, let's go to let's do one last post here because it's a very interesting one. It says, "I came to the realization that once you get mental illness, there's no going back. I'll never be the same." So this is this is interesting, right? And I, I'll say I'll say this. Um, I think of the the realization that you have mental illness. I think of it as a somewhat of a release or somewhat of a, uh, you know, you get clarity, excuse me, of why you're feeling the way that you're feeling. You get clarity on what you should do in your life from now on. That can seem restrictive because obviously, you know, if you have high anxiety, you don't want to be smoking weed. If you want to do CBD, that's all, that's all good too. Um, very, very different things. We're not going to talk about that again, but you know, very two different, two very different things. 
Uh, I've seen some people with high anxiety do pretty well on CBD, but you don't want anything with THC in it, right? You, you don't want that. If you are high in depression, last thing you want to do is drink a lot. You know, I've seen some people with depression be able to drink mildly. Uh, but then again, if you're an addict like I am, drinking is not for you. A lot of uh, substances are not for you. So it may seem restrictive, but it, it, if anything, it it uh, shows me what I can and cannot do. Give you an example, and we've used this we've used this example a lot. But imagine you are allergic to peanuts, okay? And you learn this. Let's say you learn this a little bit later in life, and all of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, I'm I'm allergic to peanuts. I can't have peanut butter. Can't have this. Well, guess what? There are a lot of things used you know, that are, uh, have like peanut oil in them that are, you know, ha use peanuts and all that kind of stuff. Now, if you were a kid and you learned that you had peanut, a peanut allergy early on, then you would know, Hey, listen, I can't have peanuts here. I can't do this. Can't do that. Right. So it makes a lot of sense. Um, and you start to become used to it after a while. And same thing with that person that's, uh, that's allergic to peanuts. Um, just think about it as that. So now you know that you can't, you have to avoid certain things in life, but who doesn't? Who doesn't have to avoid certain things in life? There are so many people who have to avoid certain things in life. Like, uh, you know, from now on, I'm never working the, uh, the night shift again. It just was not for me. And it destroyed my sleep schedule after a while, um, after working it for about a year. Um, it just wasn't, it just was not, uh, great. Um, you know, I, and so as, as you go through life, you learn about things that you want to avoid. Maybe you want to avoid, uh, I don't know, like if you're a girl, you want to avoid a certain type of guy. Maybe you fell into a narcissist uh, snare or trap or whatever. And now you're, you're looking at, you know, I, I, I remember uh, talking to this girl, Clara, on the podcast. I think this was before I put podcasts on, uh, before I put podcasts on the, uh, on, on, on like, you know, wherever you're listening to it on. And, and this one might just be on YouTube. But yeah, one of the things that I, I noted, or one of the things that she was talking about is she learned a lot from her different relationships. And she knows a lot about now she knows what she wants in life, right? So, you know, as you go through life, you're going to learn to avoid certain things out of self preservation. And there's nothing wrong with that. Now, obviously, that can there can be there can be something wrong with that if it's used in the wrong ways, if you take something to the extreme. Like if that if that girl Clara would have decided, oh, I don't, you know, forget men, even though she's straight, or I'm assuming I guess so. Um, you know, forget men. I'm just gonna go like not have, or let's just say this: forget relationships in general. I'm not gonna have any relationships. That that's a little too far an extreme. But you know, maybe I want to avoid this kind of guy. I notice this red flag. Now I'm starting to notice these things. Uh, it's just like that, guys. It, it's just like that when you're talking about a mental illness. Well, you know, let's say you have schizophrenia. Well, I want to avoid not taking my meds. I should be taking my meds. And, you know, if I'm bipolar, I should be taking my meds. Or if I'm depressed, I you know, I should be taking my meds. Or, you know, wh wh whatever it may be. If you do need meds for that kind of stuff, then that's, you know, you should avoid not doing those things. Um, but, yeah, just because you're your discovery that you have a mental illness there is no going back that's very true because you're not ignorant anymore you're, you're not ignorant you've woken up to the matrix so to speak you've opened up opened yourself up and you realize exactly how how uh frail you are but also how to become stronger 
without destroying yourself. So um, it's not a death sentence to get to get uh, diagnosed with diagnosed with a mental illness, but it can be if you end up making it that way. It's it's what you just like with anything in life. It's what you make of it. So uh, best of luck to anybody out there, you know, who who have been newly diagnosed with mental illness or anything like that. Uh, and best of luck with anybody dealing with whatever their mental health journey may uh, may bring them. But as always, guys, uh, remember you can check out all things casual at the link tree in the description box down below. Also, if you'd like to email me, you can email me at mentalhealthcasual at gmail.com. But always remember to keep it casual. <laughs>